All right, so we're in this series, Understanding Prayer and dealing with prayer, and and so we have walked so far, and I'll try to get more of the stuff up here in a little while. My mirror disappeared. Uh, I've got my tripod, but I, I, I guess they somebody decided they need to look at themselves worse than me, so they got my mirror. And so uh, we we've dealt with looking at ourselves and being able to repent. That's the first week we dealt with repentance, confession being able to look ourselves in the mirror and say there are things that are not right, I need to repent. That's the first prayer we have to pray. First step we take in reviving or building prayer in our life is to repent. And, and repentance is a continual thing. It, it is things that I have gotten past, but then as I grow as a Christian, I realize, man, that's an area, you know, I probably shouldn't have been watching this TV show for the last 10 years, and now it's starting to bother me. Lord, I'm sorry for that. I've told you that in my life, even starting this uh, 40 days that we're doing, that God called me to a specific fast. And so if he'd have said food or anything, I'd been like, no problem. In fact, that's good for me, healthy for me. I need to do it anyway, lose a few pounds. But God told me media. God said, no news, no, no ESPN, no, no games, no anything. And, and I'm like, I'm like a junkie. I, I am, I am having with I woke up this morning. I kid you not. And, and first thing that crossed my mind when I woke up this morning, I wonder who won the fight last night. And that was something that two or three weeks ago that was on my mind that I, when I shut it off. And it's like the first thought when I woke up this morning, wonder who won the fight. And I'm like, what are you thinking? You, it doesn't matter. It does. And so in your life, there's always us growing, growing, constantly growing. Anybody still growing? Anybody arrived? Because I want to be in your Bible study. I, I, I'm still growing. And then what happens is, is Cameron did a wonderful job last week, got a lot of great reviews about that. How, he, In fact, he thought he threw away all his, I still see his movies in here. So, so he was afraid. These were just like props for him. And so he was like, somebody move the garbage can. Those are really good movies. I didn't want to throw them away. So, so he taught about being able to move past repentance and then dealing with being able to, and we dealt with Rahab about how God then begins the process of moving us into our life, moving us into, and so we have this, uh, word, which is to commit. We call it sanctification. We, we call it by that. But what it really is, is where I start to allow God to remove things from my life. I allow God to begin to, to show me the things that don't belong. And ultimately what I'm doing is, it's not getting rid of stuff. If it was the world, they'd be saying, well, God makes me quit doing this. God's making me pay my tithes. God's making me stop doing... No, what's happening is, you're seeing a bigger God than what has you right now. That's the process. The reason you don't want to let go of something right now is because you don't see God as bigger than that. If I told you that that if you gave to God and God was going to bless you a hundredfold and it's a guarantee that you're going to receive a hundredfold in this life and a life to come, you're going to have eternal life, and you really knew that, would you give? Yeah, man, yeah. You're telling me I'm going to be blessed on this side and the next? Yeah, it's, it's, it's guaranteed. It's already promised. The problem is if you don't believe then what you have right now is going to seem awful hard to let go of. Whether it's movies, whether it's your lifestyle, whether it's friends, whether it's things you have. If you really don't believe God is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, all the names that God has given himself through the ages and described to us that I'm a healer, I'm a provider, I'm a banner, I'm a covering. I, I am who I am. I can be whoever I need to be in your life. If you can't, if you can't allow God to become that, then you can't move to level three. And this is the third prayer. And so today we're going to deal with the third prayer and moving a little further in our lives. And so turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to deal with now, uh, I guess this prayer is the prayer of OCD. Look at the person beside you and say, can you pray the prayer of OCD? OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. That's OCD. Two to seven percent of people in America struggle with this in an extreme level. And so what I want to show you this morning is how OCD works in our lives. How OCD works in our life. And it's a prayer. Go with me as you are at 2 Corinthians 5, and let's begin at verse 14 as we jump into this. 
For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer to who? To themselves. That's, that's this part right here. That's the looking in the mirror. That's the walking away. That we should decide that we are no longer going to live to ourselves. That life is not about ourselves. Jim was talking about that when he was receiving the offering today. It's not about just us. It's not about things that we think are so important. We've died to that, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, all right, if we understand this, therefore from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet know we him Thus, no longer. From this moment on, we do not know him on just a a fleshly mindset. Most people will tell you, I know Christ. I know him. I know him as as Christmas. I know him through Easter. I I know he died for me. I, I know he loves me. They can tell you about Christ. They can tell you about what he did. They know of him. And in our society, that's kind of what we want people to do. We've made a kind of a, a, a mindset of, do you know Christ? Yeah, I know Christ. Wonderful. I'll see you in heaven. Do, do you know Christ? Have you, have you received Christ? What they're asking is, do you believe that Jesus died on a cross? Do you believe that Jesus uh, did this? And, and don't get me wrong. From that, we are saved. We are saved from that. By believing in Jesus Christ. But then you look at people in church and you wonder why their lives so messed up. How can someone get saved and, and receive Christ and be so messed up? Now, you're, you're dealing with two different things. To believe something doesn't mean it's changing you. To receive something doesn't mean... That's why people in this category are constantly going back. Anybody have to re-keep looking at yourself in a mirror because you just keep forgetting it? The Bible says that we keep forgetting like a man that keeps walking away and forgetting who he is, and, and he has to come back and look again. Have you thrown away stuff that you've come back and re-dug them back out of the garbage? Stuff that you said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm never going to talk like that again. I'm not missing church anymore. We're going to be in church faithfully from that. And, and then you miss the next three weeks. Have you, have you said things, done things that you've had to go back and constantly? And most people live their life right here. Why? Because without step three in your life, you're going to constantly be stuck between prayer one and prayer two. You're going to constantly be stuck in a mindset of, I know him after the flesh. Paul said, I knew him after the flesh. Paul said, I was around when Jesus was killed. I was around and I knew about him. I've heard about him. I saw my teachers talking about him. I I knew all about Jesus, but I knew him after the flesh. I knew him as what he had done. I knew him, and and even that did not change me. I still went around killing Christians. I still went around in prison. Even though I had known and knew the record and knew all the what would take place, it didn't change me because I knew him after the flesh. Now, pull up our scriptures again. Let's go a little further. Let me show it to you. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. This is the step three, to know him no longer after flesh. But what? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new He's a new creation. He's a new creature. If someone makes the step from being a flesh believer in Christ to being a spirit believer in Christ, something dramatic happens. You become a new creation. This is what we really talk about in salvation. That's what frustrates us about salvation because we look at people and we hold them by the hands and we tell them to repeat after us, repeat after me, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I'll never do it. I, I, I accept you. As, I accept what you did on the cross. And we go through this and we watch them open their eyes and we turn around and we're honest. We're honest with ourselves. We're looking at, at them thinking, they ain't got a snowball's chance in the summertime. Why? Because we know, we know that they believed it with their flesh, but we realize they can't hold on to what they just said. It already was going out of them from the moment they turned around. Anybody ever prayed with people like that? Yeah, yeah, all of us have. I do it all the time at altars. Some preachers say, well, I hope it sticks. <laughs> Whatever your cliche to get you through, I hope they meant it. 
If you're from a uh, once saved, also a saved, eternal security, then you're just, well, if they really got saved. However you want to say it, the fact is, just saying the words did not fix what was going on on the inside. And there's some of you in this room, that's what you keep hiding from everybody. What you're hiding from everybody is that you said the words, I did what I'm supposed to do. Brother Lott, I don't want to tell everybody this, but you know what? I, nothing's changed. I still struggle. I still have all these issues. I still, because listen, until you move past knowing him strictly from the flesh, you're going to constantly be bombarded and have to deal with fleshly problems. But Paul said, I don't know him any longer after the flesh. No longer do I consider myself knowing Christ after the flesh. But, as we pull that scripture back up, keep it up there. We're we're knowing him now as a new creation, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Old things are gone and new things have come. All things have become new. I am a new creation, a new creature. Things have changed in my life. Let let me see if I can explain it to you uh, this way. So when I was old things, the things that were in my life, the the stuff the enemy was using, let let me see if, if any of this touches you. Does anybody in here struggle with, you know, like you're just not a huggy person. You just don't like people touching you. You don't like hugging. Anybody like that? Come on, be honest. Just Can we be honest? You got to be honest with me. This the only way I can cure you. Just be honest. Okay, you know, I don't like people touching me, hugging me. Okay, okay, that's just, that's normal. People like that. I got kids like that. All right, uh, how about, Brother Lot, I don't like to, things to get out of order. I like things in its place. I like things where it belongs. Anybody like that? There we go. You're, you're, you, you that way. All right. Anybody, uh, needs constant encouragement? Anybody in here? You're, you're just one of those people that, that, you know, you, you do great as long as people are patting you on the back doing, you know, you just need that. It's just like some of us, you know, we, we're like, ah, you're going back. And then there's some people, it's like, you just look at them, you're like, you're going to make it. You're going to be fine. Anybody, anybody like that? You, I mean, you live off constant encouragement. It's, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. That's just, that's your motivation. That's, in fact, they wrote, that's a love language. You know, encouragement is a love language, positive words. How about, how about anybody in here, you know, you struggle sometimes with anger. You worry about your emotions getting away. You, you, when you're in around people, you're like, Oh Lord, don't let me lose my cool. Don't let me blow my top. Don't let me, don't please let me keep it under. Anybody like that in here? All right. We got a few of those. Some of you raising your hands for every one of them. That's, 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 I am proud of you. I am proud of you. You are being honest. All right. Anybody in here, uh, struggles with social situations? You don't like to, I mean, there's, there's people that don't even come to this church because there's more than 30 people. You know, it's like, there's too many people in there. I'm like, look how separated you can sit by, uh, if you come to early, you can sit in a section. Nobody's going to touch you, bother you. And when I tell everybody to stand, you can zip out. Nobody will ever know you were here. But it's the thought, I don't like social situations, brother. I don't like crowds. I don't like, anybody like that? Anybody? All right, we got a few of those. Got a few of those. Uh, all right, how about you constantly like to wash your hands? You're one of those people who keep Germex around you, everywhere. You, you're constantly washing, cleaning your hands. And, and you got any of those in the house? You're a Germex person. You probably got it right now. You probably put it on it before you, before you sat down in the chair. Never clean enough, you know, tough and never clean enough. Anybody, uh, Always checking stuff. I mean, you, you, you're, you're afraid you're always missing something. So it's like if you leave the house, you, you're, you're like, you're like, I, I know people in my house are like this because I get texts as soon as they leave. Please check the bathroom. Make sure everything's unplugged. I'm like, you didn't check the bathroom. I did, but I forgot. I don't know if it was. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So any, anybody in here, you, you're a double checker, triple checker. You're, you, you don't, yeah, you walk through the house two or three times, make sure everything's okay. Got anybody here that? You're, you're really a routine person. You, you have a hard time. You cannot stop doing things the way you do things. Okay. Anybody in here, uh, you're, let's just put it this way. If you have a shed or an attic, it's going to have stuff in it. I'm, it's going to have stuff in it. Anybody in here, a collector? That's what we, you know, you're, you're a collector. It's really, you don't have an issue. You just you just collect stuff. You like collecting stuff. All right. Well, if you raise your hands for some of that, any of that, then you are qualified as OCD by the medical association. You have OCD. 
maybe to a small degree, not extreme OCD, but OCD, these are the, these are the signs of OCD. Fear of germs and dirt. That's OCD. Uh, extreme need for order. That's OCD. Excessive, uh, dealing with, uh, fear of making a mistake. You have an excessive fear of making a mistake. So, so, so you need constant encouragement. You need constant, a fear of hurting oneself or hurting someone. Fear of embarrassment. That's why you have social issues. Don't want to be embarrassed. You just don't show up. Washing and cleaning. Never clean enough. Constantly washing, constantly checking. Afraid of missing something. You're a routine person, over-routine person. Can't stop doing it the way you do it. And then the last one, you're called a hoarder. They made a TV show about you. It's called hoarding. If they came to your house and opened your shed, they would say, you are a hoarder. Why do you have that meatloaf that's two weeks old in your, well, it don't look bad yet. Ain't nothing growing on it yet. See, the problem is, in, in, in OCD, we all have a touch of it. But listen to me. The enemy comes to kill, steal, what we call in the medical field OCD, the enemy calls his tactics of destruction. That when Jesus laid hands on the sick who had palsy, who, who had demons, we'd say, oh, in today's terms, they got this. It, it's still the same. It's an issue with you. And the problem is the issue that you have, whether you can't get clean enough, whether you can't be confident enough, whether you can't, the enemy finds the area of OCD that you're afraid somebody's going to get your stuff, afraid you're going to lose your stuff, afraid something's going to happen, and, and he deals with that in your life. And from those medical terms, some people we know, oh, they've got it real, but that means they that means the enemy really works on them, but us, we're okay. We don't do our whole house of hoarding. We just got a shed. And we need a bigger shed. I've been telling y'all for weeks, we need another shed. If you don't believe it, why do you think people who have houses and have everything have to rent a storage unit? They can't keep enough of their... They don't even know half the time what's in it. They made a TV show about people that forget to pay for their storage unit and they sell the stuff off. Now, Brother Lot, you're getting personal. See, that's the problem with step three. Step one and two, we can make it more about God. God, you know I'm trying to quit. You know I'm trying to do good. You know I'm trying to do better. And you know I'm not a bad person. And we look at ourselves, God, I promise I'm... And we have revivals and we get renewed. But this is a different animal. This is when we start to truly realize that, you know what, I have a problem. I have an identity problem. And that's what week three is about. This week of devotions, this week is about your identity, your calling, your purpose. And what happens to us in our life is we get our identity from other things, how clean it is. We get our identity from how straight it is. We get our identity from, from, from that I, I, I am not embarrassed. So I'm, I'm a good person because I'm no, I don't make mistakes. I don't, I don't do anything out of order. We get our identity from our clothes. That's why we got tons of them we never wear in our closet. But just in case we needed them, they're there. Then that gives us our security. Imagine if Jesus come up to you today and taught you and he looked at you and said, what you got? Oh, I got closets of clothes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take two sets of clothes, and I want you to go on the mission field. Carry one change of clothes. That's what he told his disciples. Carry one change of clothes. Carry enough money. Oh, you know, I got, I got credit cards. I got, no, no. Carry just enough money to get you through the mission that I'm calling you. See, what he was doing was he was breaking the OCD. It took him three years to get those guys just to where they were. And they still weren't there. They still were struggling. But the fact was he was trying to break. And he would teach sermons on this. Did he not teach? He'd say, your father who looks over the flowers and looks over the birds and knows when a bird, if he cares about them, how much more does he not care about you? So since you know that, don't worry about anything else. Seek you first the what? Oh, you know the scripture. Y'all have heard it before. Seek you first the kingdom of God. And then, then all that stuff that you think you need in your shed will come to you when you need it. So go to John 10 with me. Let me show it to you in this way. John 10, verse 8 through 11. All who came, ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not do what? Hear them. I am the door. If any man enters by me, he, he will be saved 
and I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the... This enemy you have has a job to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't care if you come to church. He doesn't care if you keep repenting. He doesn't care if you keep going through all the process. He doesn't want you to become a new creation. He doesn't want you to become a new creature. Because if you become a new creature, all things have, and all things have become new. Now we love to see it on people, but it's not easy getting there because it is simply a decision to decide that I am going to die and I am going to finally become what I've always been called to, to be. Look at the person beside you and say, do you know what you've always been called to be? Look at them with a smile and say, a sheep. And look at them again and say, that's why I tell you to take baths, because you stink. You are a sheep. Jesus could have picked anything. He said, no, no, this is who you are. That's why we have all these paintings and pictures of Jesus holding a little lamb and You know, you see those paintings of Jesus holding the little lamb and a staff. You are a sheep. And he says, listen to me, the thief has come. Go back to those scriptures, verse 8 through 11. Let's walk through that. I want to show it to you real carefully. All who came before me, everything that's ever come into your life, everything that's been brought in your life to create OCD in your life, everything that's ever come is what? Thieves and robbers. That's why you can collect all the stuff you want, but you're never satisfied. That's why you can you can do whatever you want to do. I know people collect cars. They can keep collecting cars. They can have everything they want. They can buy a museum. They can, they, it won't matter. It's not going to one day wake up and make you happy. Some people collect dresses and clothes. And Lord, they, they got this thing. It's so cool. I want it, but I ain't got enough shoes for it. They got this thing in your, it goes in your closet. It's called the shoe drawer. Anybody seen that? That is the coolest thing. It, it's like you raise the lid and the shoes go in. It closes. keeps your shoes clean. And, and, and man, it, you can even take your hand like, do, 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 close them all. And it, it is the neatest thing in the world. And I thought, somebody has got a closet. And they showed one guy on a picture. And his whole wall, I'm, t- I'm talking about his whole wall, was number shoes. I'm thinking, me and Elise got a chance once to, to when we were out of town, we were in a mall, just happened to be, was walking. It was where we could go walking. We was walking the inside of the mall. And right before it opened, it was on a, it's like a, a Sunday, and, and and we were walking this mall, and all of a sudden there was just eighty people sitting on the floor, and we were like, "What in the world?" And we kept walking, walking. Finally, we caught somebody. We asked, "What in the world is going on?" Oh, some new Nike shoes coming out today, and these people have been sleeping here since it opened at six this morning, and I'm thinking, for a pair of tennis shoes. I can't get people to show up on time for church, and these people are here seven hours early for tennis shoes. Some of y'all are like, why? Because because anything that you've ever, but do you think any of those people that spent a hundred and two hundred dollars, spent most of their check on that one pair of tennis shoes, is going to wake up three weeks from now and say, "I'm happy now"? No, just like your cell phones, you got to have the X twenty three dash. I plus with robotic massage ability. Before long, you just better just slide it down the back of your shirt and it'll just crawl around and massage. And I said that, somebody right now is thinking, oh, that would be so cool if my phone could do Because I hurt right here. If I could just place my phone right there and it would. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I know I'm taking some time right here, but I want, I need you to understand this is what the enemy does. He doesn't need you to kill anybody. He doesn't need you to shoot. He doesn't need you to become a drug addict. He doesn't need you to go off the radar. He needs you to become OCD in an area in which he understands you will never, ever find happiness. You will spend your life looking for it. You will spend your time spending money on it. You will have 147 channels and nothing to watch. You will pay hundreds of dollars to have it and nothing to watch. Because all the good stuff you have to pay pay for review for. So that means you have to pay 60 more. But I got to have it because these channels aren't enough because I really want to see that. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Welcome to life. 
And if you go to a doctor, let me tell you, just go ahead and save you the trouble, he's going to say, you're OCD. So I have people tell me that all the time. They just walk up. They don't even fight it anymore. They just walk up, brother Lot, you know I'm OCD. I'm like, you are? You're proud of that? Y'all got people that tell you that. You probably say it about yourself. Well, I'm OCD. Really? The robber, the thief, he's come to rob. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep, real sheep, you are a what? Sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. I am the door. If any man enters by me, verse 9, if any man enters by me, he will be saved. The church is not the door. We mix that up. You need to go to church. No, you need Jesus. Jesus is the door that leads you into the church. Not the church leads you into Jesus. If, if you mix it up, you're going to have a problem. So, so the door, I am the door. I am Jesus. I am the shepherd. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, I am the good shepherd. Or the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more. So here's the promise. He says, I want you to have life. I want you to have more abundant life. I've promised you these things. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The problem is, is that when we get saved, genuinely saved, we're going to have to understand there's a difference. There is a genuine difference between a believer and an unbeliever. I know we can't hardly tell the difference anymore because they dress the same, they about do the same music. If you turned the volume down and listened to some concerts and turned it on, I don't know if I'm back in the 80s or I'm at a Christian concert. Other than the few words that they're saying, Lord, what's the difference? The only difference is, is that one has a genuine relationship and one does not. One knows Christ after the flesh and one knows Christ after the Spirit. One understands, I am a sheep. Let me, let me show you a few scriptures just to, in chapter 10, just to nail this down real good. Go to chapter 10, verses 1 through 4 with me. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the she- by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the... To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his... Here's the key. A a true relationship means that I am hearing the voice. If I am a true sheep, I hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them unto his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? Why do they follow him? They know his voice, not because they have a Bible that tells them, don't do this and don't do that. They follow him because they hear his... If you if you exclude that, you will never... If you try to use the church to get people to Jesus, you are going to mess everybody up. You've got to get people to Jesus who have a relationship with Christ, and then they look for a church to grow and to be a part of. You've twisted it. See, the Pharisees would never have had a problem if he would have just become a Pharisee. If Jesus would have become a Pharisee first and then done all the miracles, they would have been fine with that because he would have been bringing them into their... But Jesus was an outcast. He said, I have another kingdom. I'm I'm not Baptist, Methodist, Assemblies, Church of God. I'm not anything. I have my own kingdom. And my kingdom will last. And let me tell you about my kingdom. And when he's talking here, he's talking to Pharisees. He says... And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him and know his voice. First, go with me to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Go to verse 16. The other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear, they will do what? They will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one 
I like that verse. Of all the verses in the Bible, a lot of it doesn't apply to me in, in Revelation, Jews, and different things like that. But I'm going to tell you something. That verse, that's my verse. Why? Because I'm a Gentile. And you know what? When he's talking to the Jews, he said, I got other flocks. You don't even know the other flocks that I got. They ain't even part. But when I put them all together, they will come from every tribe, every nation, every background, every country, every color, shape, and size, and they will all be part of my flock. Go to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Think he keeps repeating that for a reason? Yeah. When we are who we are, when we are who we are, when we are sheep, it's different, it looks different than just what I want to do and what I try to do. Some people go to church. I am the church. So you got to understand, that's why I don't fit in most places. I don't fit at ball games a lot of times. I don't fit in certain crowds. I don't fit. Everybody wants me to, but I can't. Because the thing that they avoid the most, what's the hardest thing to get people to do? Go to church. Then why in the world would you invite me to your party and invite your friends who don't go to church unless you want there to be a meeting? There's very few times I walk into anywhere, first thing it's people say across the room, preacher's here. I worked in a concession stand yesterday, first thing people say, and I walk in, hey, preacher's here. What did you really say? The church just walked up in here. I done brought church. That's right. That's what I do. I am the church. Every place I walk into, the church just walked up in here. Do you understand that that's who you are? You're not a Christian. You're the church. Now, you you dislike what you are, but you're a sheep. You're, you're part of the church. And so when he comes and does this, he said, listen, they know my voice. So who I am, I'm a sheep. He didn't say there's sheep and then there's preachers. No, no, I'm a sheep just like you're a sheep. We're all sheep. And it looks different than just what I do. I don't, I don't try to live for the Lord. I belong to the Lord. I don't try to do right. I follow him. That's who I am. That's just who I am. I follow Christ. I get up in the morning. Tim, we got to do this. Okay. He said, I don't care if you like it all the time. I don't need you to jump up and down. Oh, Jesus just spoke to me. Jesus speaks to me all the time. A lot of times I don't even want him to talk to me. I'm like, can we just, we need to get this done, Tim. Four o'clock this morning. Jesus speaks to me. I don't need alarm clocks. I don't, I've never needed alarm clocks. Ever since I got saved, I've never needed an alarm clock. 4.30 this morning, my eyes open, and God's like, Tim, time to get up, son. And I looked over, and I said, 30 more minutes, Lord. Do you have conversations like that? I do. People's like, you talk to him? Yeah, he talks to me. I talk to him. He always wins. He always gets his way. It's a one-sided relationship. But at least he lets me share my feelings. I don't like this. It's 4.30. It's cold. Can't I just sleep in another hour? I mean, as long as I'm there by 8 o'clock, God, I, that's all. I don't go to work till 8 o'clock. God's like, you got to get up. You, you got stuff you got to get done. You got to get your mind right. You got to get ready. I got to talk to you, Tim. We got to talk about what we're going to say today. All that's going on. Let me show it to you this way. So, so what the most important thing that we're trying to learn to do in step three and you're going to find that in the back, they're going to hand these sheets out as you leave. And they're just who I am in Christ. You can print off some more of them if you want. There 50 scriptures on who I am in Christ, 25, whatever you want. You can always print off more. I'm just giving you some to just carry with you when you walk out the door. But what you've got to learn to do in step three is to accept who you are, your identity, your calling, and your purpose. That's, that's week three. What does that look like? I need to be able to hear. I say, I can read all these scriptures to you. I can tell you it's the ones I'm, I'm accepted in Christ. In John 1 and 12, it says, I am God's child. We can go to uh, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. There's scripture after scripture, but can you hear them? There's scriptures about, I am secure in Christ. Yeah, there's, there's Romans 8, 1 and 2. I am free from condemnation. Romans 8 and 28. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. 
Romans 8, 31 through 39, I am free from condemnation, brought again, uh, he's brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. All of that's just scripture. The question is, can you hear it? See, when I'm walking around, I don't walk in flesh. I'm seeing you. I know you're there. But you're not the voice that's moving me. You're not the voice that's speaking my identity. I see your lips moving. I know you're saying something. But I'm sorry. There's only one voice that makes me move. And I can't listen to any other. I don't have the ability. I I don't have... I'm a new creature. All the old things that used to bother me that you that you're talking about, it, it, it doesn't radiate, it doesn't mean anything. Bro, Lodge, you hear about, yeah, I hate that. But you know what? One of these days I'm going home. So it doesn't bother me. You know what? The, man, they got nuclear bombs. They could bomb this. I don't worry about that because the revelation says that's not how it's going to end. So they can push buttons, whatever they want to do, build bombs. God's done said, I, I told you, Tim, how it's going to end. Can you hear me? I hear you. And what it does is it, it removes the OCD from my life. The stuff that I think I have to have, the stuff I think I can't live without, the stuff that... When you can hear him, understand it works in three areas. Number one, that the moment you're born again, you have the ability to hear. That's why Jesus would always say, he would say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Some could, some couldn't. The Pharisees could not. If you read more of John 10, you'll find that they told him, they said, show us something. Give us a sign. Give, show us. And he says, I've, have I not said it? They said, speak plainly. Tell us plainly, are you the Christ? He says, if everything I've done has not told you already that I'm the Christ. He said, but my sheep, don't, don't worry. I, they'll be with me. He goes into detail, but they can't hear it. They, they're like, you're not speaking plainly. He said, I am speaking plainly. I'm talking very plainly because if you're my child, if you're born again, you have the ability to hear. Think about it. And I, if I had time, just the increases of an ear, you need to study that. You're hearing my voice. What is happening is, is that my vocal cords are rubbing up against each other. They're, they're bumping up against each other, and it's creating a wave. You call it sound, but it's a wave. It's just, bah. And when my vocal cords bump, they go towards you, and it hits your ear. But not just your ear. There's fluid in your ear. Because my waves have to have something to be able to hit against and to disseminate and, and to be a, so it, so all the, the liquid that's inside your inner ear, it catches those Kind of like a wave on the ocean. What's taking place is like a wave on the ocean. All the waves that I'm sending towards you hits the, the liquid of your ear and the inner ear. And it's inside the inner ear in the liquid are little hair follicles. Some are longer. They pick up high frequencies. Some are shorter. They pick up low. I, I, I'm, I'm going through this. I could go into all the details, but this is just a cool study. You need to do this. The study of an ear, how it works. So those pollicles, those hairs, those waves are hitting those hairs. And you're, you're so finely made that when it hits that hair on the inside of the liquid of your ear, it drops it and immediately takes it to the brain. You can close your eyes right now. And just by what you hear, you can tell who's talking to you. You can tell where I'm talking from, whether I'm behind you or in front of you. Even with your eyes closed, your brain can assimilate just what's coming off the vocal cords that I'm sharing and automatically within split seconds is able to take sound and create a picture of who I am. Well, that's Pastor Light. I hear exactly what he's saying. I understand his words. Man, he's long. And all that's taking place. Listen to me. The God who created that is a hearing and speaking God. The reason he did it was because he did not want to save you and then spend the next 30 years of your life not communicating with you. He is a hearing 
and speaking God. When, when people come along and say, well, God doesn't speak anymore, that's people that have never had anything past this, and therefore they don't have the ability to hear. What do you mean you hear from God? I hear from God. He talks to me. The second thing is this. Not only are you born with the ability, it's also learned better. Can a, can a, can a child hear? Can he hear? Yeah. Babies can hear. Now, do they, do they hear well? Can they communicate well yet? Or are they, is it learned? Well, that's why, that's why you need church and you need people in your life because, because if you don't have people in your life and church in your life, then you won't have people to help you how to learn and how to grow in prayer and how to grow in learning to talk to God and how to listen to God and how to, how to uh, figure out, well, how, what's God talking? How, how's he saying this? How's he, in other words, if I was, if I was with you right now and you said, Pastor Lot, I can't hear God. I don't, I don't hear God. If somebody, if I asked the question, you wouldn't raise your hand, but, but you'd say, that's me. Pastor Lot, I don't hear God. I hear people, I have people that's been in our church for years look at me and say, I just don't hear nothing from God. I'm like, really? Well, let me give you a quick way to do it. Tomorrow morning, if you want to hear from God, anybody want to hear from God tomorrow morning? Okay, real simple. Get up, get up in the morning. Just get up. Set your alarm clock because you can't hear from God yet, so he ain't going to be talking to you. That'll come in time. Set your alarm clock. Get up 30 minutes early. Put on Christian music, worship music, whatever kind of music that you enjoy listening to about God. Get your Bible. Open it up. Read some scriptures. What I would urge you to start with is a story. Don't go to Ezekiel. Yeah, don't go to don't go to Isaiah and you'll come back to me next week. I read the Bible. I, I don't understand anything Isaiah's talking about. You don't start in Isaiah. Find you a like a Bible story, just just similar to what I'm talking about. This John 10. Just start in John 10 where he talks about the sheep and this. Just read a story, close your Bible, and then just say, Lord. As I'm reading this, this is what's sticking out to me. And, and I want you to open it up to me. And I want you to, what, what is in this story that's so important to me? Maybe the story of David and Goliath. I've read it a million times, and I've got a million different sermons out of it. And so as I'm reading, and I close it, and I say, God, just speak. I want you to write down what you feel God spoke to you. What, what, what stuck out to you about that story? What was it that for the first time it's like, wow, I never noticed that? And just start doing that. Let that be your beginning. I guarantee you before long, it won't be very long, you're going to come to me and say, Pastor, I hear God all the time. Every time I read stuff, every time. Why? Because you're already hearing Him. His sheep know His voice. The problem is, it's a learned thing. It's learned how, to, just like a child. If I, what I wanted to do is bring my dog today. I didn't have the courage to do it because the dog's a little bit messed up. So so I don't trust the dog too much. So I was going to bring my dog, and I was just going to put uh, Charlie over there, and I was going to have a chair, and I was going to have all of y'all, hey, Charlie, Charlie, come here, Charlie. And, and, and I could just say, Charlie, come here. And Charlie's going to come jump right up next to me. My daughter hates it. It's her dog. And I can be sitting on the, on the bed, and, and, and I said, Charlie, come here, Charlie. Charlie just, oh. he just crawled, lay right there, and I rubbed. And Caitlin's like, come on, Charlie, got to go to bed. He was just, and she's like, come on, Charlie. She'll grab He'll just claw the bed. Like, please don't, baby. And I'm just like, oh, it's sad, Caitlin. And she's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Why? Because Charlie knows my voice. And Charlie knows that, that, that I, I mean good. I'm the one that usually gets up in the morning and walks outside and throws the dog food out and does this. This morning, we had leftover roast, and, and it's been old roast. And so, so both of them dogs knew pa Pastor Lot's leaving for the day, and God's all up in his life, so he wants to do good. So I looked in the refrigerator, and there was that roast, and I was like, oh, man, I need to get rid of that. And I was like, so I popped the lid, put it in the microwave, made sure it was warm because it was 30 degrees, so it was, it was warm. And it had the potatoes and the carrots, and it was just, it was roasted. We just hadn't, and it, it, Lee says it's, it's way past its expiration date. So, so, so I took it outside, poured a little in one bowl, one in the other, and, man, both them dogs, oh, oh, they were just so happy. And they were just, I was like, oh, I love y'all. It'll be good. It'll be good. I'll be good. You don't think them dogs are going to come to me? You don't think them dogs are going to, if I say, come here, Charlie, oh, it's, it's roast time, it's roast time. Because I'm the one that loves on them. I'm the one that takes care of them. This is what God is saying. It's a learned thing. That's why a baby, it's one of the, the hardest things to, you love that child, and, and there comes a time where you want that child to, to move out. But the problem is, if you love so hard, and hold them so close, 
They won't trust nobody else. Now, some people, they like that. Oh, they won't go to nobody. They just, they'll, uh, I'm like, well, that ain't really a, a blessing. That just means you have OCD. You have OCD with your child. Because number three is simply this. Not only do we want a born ability, not only do, do we want to learn it, but we also want to master it. We want to master the ability to hear and to speak. You want to be able to master it. No, Nobody wants, see, the joy of a child growing to make good decisions it should be your greatest goal. My, my greatest goal as a father is that I communicate with my kids, I communicate, and, and, and the goal is, is that one day they will grow up and I will hear of all the good decisions that they make. I don't want Taylor at 40 years old still coming to my house trying to figure out what cereal to eat. I don't, I don't, I don't want Caitlin coming, you know, into my bedroom when she's 50 years old. Mom, can you get me dressed? I don't know what to wear. I'm like, girl, you, you should know, you should know what to wear by now. We, we, we went through this when you were a teenager. The greatest joy is not to have a 40 year old Christian still sitting here and saying, Lord, what do you think I ought to do? I don't know what I ought to do, Lord. I don't know. Should I eat this or should I eat this? You should, you should mature to where we've had this conversation. I don't have to pray about everything that comes along on my plate. I don't have to pray and say, well, let me just pray, see what God says about this. No, if God said no about this 10 years ago and I learned it 10 years ago, it's still no. God doesn't change. It's still no. Because if he ever tells you yes to something, listen to me very carefully, if he ever says yes to something that he has said no to, you read every story in the Bible where God said no to something and they kept badgering him and he finally said yes to it, figure out how it turned out for him. It's not good. My dad taught me that. He could give me that look and say, son, if you ask me one more time. And, you know, in me, I just look at him and say, well, good, I'll ask one more time. No, I have enough sense to realize, no, it's good. And tomorrow when it crossed my mind, you know, I should ask that. No, no, I ain't going to ask Dad about it. You hope your children grow to know this. That is just one part, one part is hearing. As everybody stands. So far, hopefully if you're... If you're with us in this series, if you're, if you're dug in with us, this is such an important turn in the series. You have no idea how important, because next week we talk about spiritual warfare. And our problem is we think that we can skip the mirror and we can skip the trash can and we can skip hearing God clearly and go right into praying for our cousins and praying for our family and want to see our kids turn. Listen to me. There's a process of prayer. It's a very important process. It first starts with me saying, God, if there's anything in me, search me. If there be anything unclean, anything that doesn't belong, search me. If there's things as I'm going along that I realize are slowing me down, that are hurting me, then Lord, let me, let me lay it down. Let me walk away from it. Let me, have, let me realize you're bigger than that. And then finally God says, okay, Tim, now I need to establish who you are. And the only way I can do that is got to talk. I've got to be able to speak into your ear, Tim, I love you. So I don't need you to tell me God loves me. I've known that securely. I don't need you to tell me God forgives. I know that. He's told me that a thousand times. In the process of my life, we've had millions of conversations, constantly talking. When I was mopping a floor the other night, I'm just mopping the floor, talking with God, crying. He says, Tim, my sheep, they know my voice. They hear me. And, and they hear me, and they already know who I am. So when they hear me, what do they do? Follow. Life is real simple. A sheep's life is real simple. The shepherd walks in. You've been cooped up for a while. He says, all right, let's go. Hey, I know that voice. And he said he leads me out to a new pasture, a place he's prepared. Do you know God's got a place prepared for you? beyond where you're stuck right now and where you are right now. But the problem is, if you can't distinguish the voice, you can't walk out and receive it. If you're in this room today, your next step in the journey, if you said, Pastor, I've asked God to forgive me, then He has. 
If you say, Pastor, I've, I've laid down everything I know that's, that's hindering me. I mean, I, I'm not perfect. That's not what I'm saying. But I know anything that's been, that God's laid on my heart, you gotta quit that. You gotta walk. I've done it. What's wrong, Pastor? You just gotta become a sheep. You gotta get to where you can close out all the other noises and his voice becomes the most important voice in your life. As everyone steps out and comes to the altar this morning, if we do this as a routine during this series, just coming to pray. I want this to be your, your desire this week. I want this to become your greatest desire because, because like I said, what the enemy's hoping is that you go to battle and you can't hear his voice. I see that all the time. I see good people wanting to do something good for God, but they don't take the time to learn the voice. And because of it, they try to do good things. You ever see people like that? I'm going to try to live good, Brother Lot. I'm going to try to do what's right. I'm gonna... That's the wrong strategy. I've never tried. Listen, I, I try less hard than probably any of y'all in this room. I don't try at all. I don't get up in the morning and try to do nothing. I don't try to live right. You don't try to live right? No, I don't even think about living right. I, I used to, but I get up in the morning and I'm like, God, whew, it's going to be a long day, Lord. Let's do it. And as I'm walking along, Tim, yeah, you see that? I see it. Tim, pray for them. I am. Tim, go to this. Tim, don't go to that. This week, work hard. Work hard on practicing and growing and learning His voice. Because it's the key to the happy life that you're looking for. It's not going to church. It's not clothes. It's not trying to live guy. It's just walking with Him. It's the greatest walk in the world. With every head bowed, every arm is raised, we're just going to start the process. Father, right now, for that person in here that has OCD really bad, for that person in here right now who God hears every other noise but doesn't hear you, Father, I pray right now that God, Your voice will become natural to them. That as they get up and they study your word, they pray, but they just stop long enough to say, what did that word say to me? As they hear a message on the radio, as they listen to a song and something speaks to them, let them write it down. Let them realize that's God talking to me. The enemy's not putting that in me. That's God. Father, as they grow in that and prepare for the great battles that are ahead, the victories that, God, you've called them to, to see loved ones saved and to see their lives transformed. Father, we stop right now for just a moment in our lives. And for this week, let us focus on your voice, getting good at hearing your voice. Thank you. Thank you that through my teen years, through my 20s, 30s, my 40s, and rounding into my 50s, that your voice has been the greatest thing that's ever been in my life. Having a real relationship with you, not a religion, has been the greatest thing of my life. I speak that over your people today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go give the devil fits. <laughs>